there. This is the A Lot To Say podcast, a conversation-based project focused on unconventional career paths and the projects that consume us. I'm your host, Gary Williams, or Gaz, as many call me. And A Lot To Say is part of the Alts Project's family of content, uh, obsessing about the overlap between creativity, technology, and culture. I'm fortunate to spend my days working alongside technologists, artists, researchers, and people who just generally give a damn about the world we live in. And I'm very lucky to be able to hear of some incredible career journeys over that time from some really inspiring people. So I am particularly energized by the projects that I hear people are experimenting and tinkering on along the way. And I thought, you know what, it's time to put these stories out there with the A Lot To Say podcast project. I can't wait for you to hopefully discover some new and lesser known stories about the things people get wrapped up in and what led them to this point. This is A Lot To Say. joined by my mate Andy Miller. He's the uh, co-founder and CEO of a non-alcoholic independent beer company, Heaps Normal. We've been doing some really incredible things this year and and really growing uh, very, very rapidly. Uh, We talk quite a bit about, um, I guess, uh, playing in this market, which is um, relatively unknown for quite a lot of people, but also, you know, certainly with a lot of opportunities and uh, and heaps normal are just growing at a phenomenal rate. So I can't wait to see, uh, you know, what, what's just around the corner for them. Um, uh, we've known each other for quite some time. So I was really chuffed to have the conversation today, but also specifically to really dive into a lot of his backstory. I'm, I'm, I'm becoming more and more cognizant of the fact that, you know, throughout the podcast, I might be interviewing people that I um, have known for quite some time, but I really don't truly know a lot of their backstory. And so I'm um, utterly fascinated to find out a lot about um, what makes people tick and uh, lots of serendipitous occasions or instances over the time that leads them to um, where they are today. So it was a fantastic chat and we, we discuss a whole range of things from living overseas to um, traveling the world in your pajamas. Um, I know that sounds random, but um, Andy will explain more. And uh, we just generally get into it, but specifically we do dive into a lot of the growth phase of Heaps Normal throughout this year and uh, and where he sees that um, progressing to next. So without further ado, my mate Andy Miller. Cheers. Andy Miller, thanks so much for joining me for the uh, A Lot To Say podcast. I, I've long had you on the list, uh, man, so I'm really appreciative of you taking the time. How are you doing? I'm good, Gaz. I'm uh stoked to be joining the ranks of um the people that have come before me there's some some of my favorite people on the list already yeah i I know we've got a few mutual mates um on there and um one of one of our guests actually had had suggested um you as a guest one time which um i laughed ironically because i already already had you um on the list um but there's many things i'd love to cover off in in this chat and uh, I'm really keen for for a number of factors based on what you're involved with at the moment, and some um, something beyond what that product or, or um, mission is. But why don't you tell us a bit about uh, Heaps Normal um, and where you're at at the moment with this um, new venture? Yeah, it's um it's really exciting. It's been a project that's consumed us for about the last twelve to eighteen months. But only in the last three months, really, uh, been something that has been put out there into the world. So we launched at the end of January um, on the very last day of Dry July. Not, you know, no, no irony intended with a non-alcoholic beer, um, and something that has just been a, a bit of a journey 
for me, uh, having been, you know, working in the beer industry before, um, and we just saw, we just saw an opportunity to have a really you know, big impact on drinking culture without necessarily holding up sobriety as the goal. It's really cool. I think we'll we'll obviously touch upon, I guess, some formative factors in in your growth in very recent times. Of which, um, uh, you know, you know, for context, um, this is this chat today is off the back of um your recent participation in the Startmate Accelerator program and and your um your pitch at their recent demo day. But um, yeah, let's take it back. Well, how? I mean, it's not a massive amount of time since you did launch. Um, have you sort of pinched yourself and? reflected much on the I guess where you're at at the end of July as opposed to now because it's been a whirlwind uh, past few months it has uh, and there's there's been more than more than a few people actually uh, one of them I think one of the first was Michael Batko but uh, there's been several people since him who have who have just said to me uh, things like remember when you said three months ago um, and and you know brought up uh an embarrassingly unambitious target, you know, by, by today's standards. And I think that's a credit to the experience that we had going through Startmate. And uh, like everyone before us, uh, for me, it just really stretched our ambitions and our expectations of ourselves and what we can achieve as a company in a really short time. I'll, I'll ask you a few things I reckon coming up. Um, definitely focused around uh, the targets that you mentioned. I'll, I'll start with that one, but then um, also we'll get we'll get into personal factors such as your background, uh, the team, um, and then also I guess Startmate's role in this, which is um, you know as an accelerator that is traditionally focused on a large amount of emerging or, or high tech um, endeavors or startups, I should say. Um, this is a really interesting, I guess. Um, increased breadth to the portfolio that's participated in the accelerator. But uh, I, I basically, if, if you haven't clued in, I've just given you <laughs> some room to think about what's coming up soon. But um, let's, go, let's go into the targets because you were talking about modest targets that you, were, you envisioned for yourself in the future. So what were those sort of modest targets and, and what was um, in, in reality achieved over that time? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Startmate, a lot of Startmate, I think, in hindsight, is about preparing you to fundraise uh, because it's all, you know, it's all about um, high growth, high impact businesses that are going to change a category or, or com- you know, better still, complete, create a completely new category. Um, so there was definitely that element, uh, I think. Uh, you know, we had very, very modest ambitions in terms of how much fundraising we thought we would do and less about the amount of money, but I, I think that reflects on, you know, our ambitions for how fast we thought we could grow as well. So they're two really big ones, but um, I think we were also we were also quite modest in our expectations around growth for for, for beer and what was possible from a consumer brand and a beer company. And I think that's a little bit reflective of the way the category and the industry thinks uh, as well. I think on reflection, uh, both, you know, Benny Holdstock, our head brewer, and I have both reflected on the fact that 
brewers and beer companies are inherently quite conservative when it comes to growth and you yeah, right. just can't can't come into somewhere like Startmate um and um come out the other side still believing that yeah actually that's a good point so you mentioned uh benny who who else is involved uh, within the heaps normal business uh currently yeah there's four co-founders um benny holdstock is our head brewer uh pete brennan is our head of brand and, and co-founder uh and geordie smith who's a professional surfer usually based in la um he's he's our fourth co-founder and and really helped us kind of get going it was an early believer and uh grew up with pete actually surfing in durban in south africa which is how he got involved and, and how he fits into the mix yeah right okay okay it's starting to make um oh make sense to me uh, as well because i always like <laughs> uh, obviously investigating and finding out the backstory i mean we we I still remember us catching up oh, uh, July, I think it was, wasn't it? In the midst of yeah. Melbourne's first lockdown and you were sort of, um, you, you were here obviously getting the business um, growing via uh, entry into a number of stockists and, you know, establishing those crucial next steps. But uh, yeah, it's amazing to sort of reflect on it now at this stage, um, looking back on some of the, you know, the vision that you voiced to me then, it's um, amazing. Yeah, it's been been really exciting, and I think for us, you know, we want to be much more than a beer company as well. So we don't, we're not setting out to uh, to just talk about beer. Uh, we we really want to genuinely, and it's it's not just founder wank. I can assure you, um, yeah. we, we don't we don't just um, want to talk about beer. We want to be genuinely contributing and um, redefining drinking culture in Australia and internationally. Um, without alienating people like us who still enjoy a beer. On that cultural aspect, um, how have you found, <laughs> just personally, I guess, voicing to, um, uh, you know, to the people that you're interacting with, um, or even if we're talking about from the uh, pitching for investment type space, uh, how have you found that reaction voiced back to you about, um, you know, that this is non or low alcoholic beer? How, how does that conversation go down, um, especially for yourself who has a, a background in beer, um, in the brewing industry? Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, I, I think, well, a lot of people from Startmate, uh, which is like you hinted at, very much uh, traditionally focused on software and, and other um, quite deep tech businesses, um, so I think a lot of people, including ourselves, questioned what we were doing there at the beginning, um, which was quite interesting. But I think more on the the reaction to the beer, I think what we've noticed is is what we thought would happen. Um, but it's still, I think we surprised ourselves at just how how true our our hypothesis on it all was. Um, you know, we what we're noticing is is beer drinkers who have never ever considered the fact that they could enjoy a non-alcoholic beer um, doing just that and um, mm. and being stoked on the fact that and, and thinking about the ways that they can incorporate this into their own normal, you know, whether that is, um, is you know, still kind of going out and, and getting on it um, or, you know, taking a night off, a month off or, or a year or, or for life, you know, whatever it is, um, mm. there's... Um, there's a, a growing number of beer drinkers who I think are just incorporating uh, non-alcoholic beer into their into their lifestyle. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll actually I'll circle back on the um, the culture factor because I, I do want to reference um, you know probably a, uh, a an industry that you that you would love to or will be aligned with, which is the live music um, scene, and obviously whilst. Um, certainly not without its struggles in 2020 for obvious reasons. Um, for sure. that, that's really that's a really interesting, you know, entry um, for yourselves. Um, not not that you need to change everyone's minds within there, but it's certainly um, and you know a, a um, you know you're you're influencing culture in that regard, um, which is going to play out in some you know really cool ways upcoming, and I can't wait to see how it eventuates. But I want to. Um, I sort of spat it out eventually, didn't I? But what I want to, what I want to get to before that, um, just so I don't leave it behind. What does support look like for you now, based on what you've been through in this accelerator program? So, um, putting words in your mouth a little bit. So you've essentially gathered uh, intentions from people to invest in uh, heaps normal, and you're progressing from here into increasing your capacity to reach consumers. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, it, the thing that's exciting for us is is coming back to, you know, the cultural change element, um, you know, in, in raising some some funding to, to grow the business, to grow Heaps Normal, we have been really, we, we weren't really interested in just taking money. Um, we, and, and we've managed to assemble, just, again, just completely exceeded all of our expectations, but somehow we've we've managed to convince i think some of our idols and people who have created the most incredible um businesses you know direct to consumer businesses music companies yeah. festivals uh consumer brands who are some of our favorite brands favorite events um and and you know people that we look up to uh, and now they're sort of in our camp yeah uh, helping us grow our business, and that is just um, the most uh, mind-blowing position for us to be in uh, yeah. right now. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, I'm gonna lean in. Can you talk about <laughs> who any of them are at the moment? <laughs> um, we can't. We can't yet. I think, um, out of respect for the process, and and you know, not having their permission, you know, to be to be public yet. But um, but uh. Of course, yeah. man. Well, in in due course, it'll come out. I think. Um, What's this space? I think. Yeah. Well, you know, look with, with um, you know, with the podcast project as well. You know, a l- large amount of this being that it's an overlap between you know technology and uh, creative industries and culture, etc. Is that it? Um, it? It provides good opportunities to explain, I guess, the inner workings behind different industries or how things work and the projects that people get wrapped up in and, you know, technology accelerators or, you know, now inviting in, um, you know, non-alcoholic craft beer to participate in the program uh, won't be something that's sort of understood by everyone. So it's good to relay just some of those concepts around um, investment and venture capital and and how that would help you grow you know this business into all that it can become so yeah it's really exciting times yeah yeah i uh sorry you're probably wanting to uh change tracks but i was just gonna say no no not at all keep going i think um i think startmate it's a credit to startmate really um that they saw something in what we were doing probably uh you know that we didn't see early on and uh, and I think it's a credit to them that they're really broadening their horizons in terms of the kinds of companies that they're 
willing to back um, and, you know, broadening that to really, I think, any company that is creating a new category or or changing an industry. Um, and so, you know, that, that's really exciting. I think I would recommend um, anyone who who has a business that is um, that fulfills that that um, criteria to to get in touch with them. It's it's certainly a life changing three month experience. Well, that's the um, yeah, that sort of network effect um, in effect, isn't it? Because now you, I, I guess, um, they've done what they intended to do. Now you're a, you're an active convert, and you um, <laughs> you, you spread the word out amongst your 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 extended network. So that's really cool, and um, might might provide a nice segue then into you know we talked about shaping culture etc and i referenced um you know the music environment or, or or the creative industries within um australia so obviously not thinking just purely about australia but um where do you sort of see heaps normal playing in the short term um and i drew that parallel between the music industries because obviously there's capacity for a larger amount of um let's say uh, technology-focused music projects to enter into accelerator programs and grow. But for yourselves um, especially, where do you see your sweet spot in the market um, upcoming, uh, irrespective of the capacity to grow and attract use, um, users, customers of all types? Um, is the live music scene, when it returns properly, um, your sweet spot that you envision upcoming? I think it's one of them. We don't want to be, um, you know, the music. Uh, we don't want to try and be the music beer. Um, but for yeah. it, the brand was definitely inspired by uh, our collective uh, time spent in the music industry and the hospitality industry, um, because the and the reason for that is 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 because we've experienced firsthand that. You know, whether you're a, a musician on the road, gigging in day in, day out, night in, night out, um, or you're a bartender, um, you know, behind the bar every night, um, it becomes really difficult for you to make your own decisions around and stick to create, you know, your own r- relationship with alcohol, have a night off, have, you know, have drink a little bit less one night even, Um because you just you're just surrounded by it, and we heard from heaps of our mates, you know, who are musicians and and bartenders and um, chefs as well, um, who really struggled with that. And so, um, but but I think the other the, the other the flip side of that was that there was no brand out there um, that really kind of um, was appealing um, in that space and and didn't um, wasn't holding up sobriety as the end goal and um, and that didn't alienate people who who still enjoyed a drink. So that's sort of where where we've come from, or you know what what inspired um, that, and and that's our kind of connection into to music. And I think more recently, how that's played out is um, is working with people uh, or you know events and people like Emily Ullman um, uh, and Isolate Festival. Um, I think. Uh, you know what she's done what she's built over the last six months uh, is is just incredible and we got talking about uh, exactly exactly what I was just mentioning around you know the connection between alcohol and music Um, and um, you know she she feel like we share a lot of the same values in that sense Um, 
And so, you know, that kind of led to, to us partnering with Isolade and, and trying to help, um, help them push it. We're a very small company, so we're not really, um, adding a lot to the, to spreading, um, spreading the message and raising awareness beyond their existing audience. But, um, you know, we've, we've tried to contribute in other meaningful ways as well. Yeah, from little things, big things grow, I guess, in terms of um, your alignment. I've actually, uh, funnily enough, had her on the list because, you know, we talk about, um, you know, unconventional projects on this podcast. I'm actually just more conscious of that she's bloody busy. So I might wait till she, <laughs> you know, calms down a little bit and then ask her about her experience. But no, it's, it's um, yeah, I've been a huge fan of what Isolate have, um, have been involved in and uh, and have put out there for for people's consumption. It's awesome. Um, I might, if you don't mind, I might uh, also ask sort of a personal question about the origins of Heaps Normal. You, you've just mentioned before about, uh, I guess, um, a wider sweeping acknowledgement of the influence on, um, you know, whether it's uh, musicians or publicans or or other people that. Um, work in sort of areas that have, uh, you know, get, I guess a higher exposure to alcohol and that sort of in, informed or influenced, you know, some of the creation of Heaps Normal. But um, how about yourself? Can you reflect on, I guess, some real formative catalysts for, for starting this? Is there some defining moments or some light bulb moments that you can remember that set this in motion? Uh, yeah, I... I... For some people, I think there are those epiphany moments and I think for others, you know, these things just creep up on you and, and you know, one day you sort of reflect over a pattern of behaviour or, um, you know, just a, a, a vague feeling and, um, you know, and and some serendipity, you know, happens, you know, some, some things um, come together um, and, and inspire um inspire me it's often how it works for me is inspire me to kind of to do something or create something new um yeah and that's kind of how it worked with heaps normal i don't want to pretend like i like i woke up one day and and um you know lightning struck and you know there, there was this kind of huge kind of um turning point in my life that that um inspired the the beginning of it you know the the thing is, I mean, it's probably a different story for a different day. But all of us, all of the founders of Heaps Normal, um, have very different connections um, to the origin of the brand. Um, so, you know, Pete and Benny, being a Pete, sort of um, grew up in the shadow of of alcohol abuse in his family. Um, Geordie's an elite athlete, and and Benny, you know, looks at this from a, a really interesting technical brewing challenge. But for me, uh, it was really just something that um, I'd noticed had had crept into my lifestyle um, just a little bit more than I wanted it to. And it occurred to me that, you know, even though I really loved going out and, um, you know, even having the occasional big night, uh, I noticed, you know, it occurred to me that, you know, whenever you do that, whenever you you go out and have a massive night, um, it, you're trading off, you're trading something else, right? You're trading whether it's, you know, time with your kids or getting up early and going for a surf or going to the gym, going for a run, um, you know, whatever it is. And you're probably eating bad food as well. So, um, 
all of those things I, um, I still do, but, um, I guess it was more a sense of trying to get a balance, uh, in my life that I was happy with. Yeah. No, it's really interesting. I hope you don't mind me, um, sort of asking, but I'm, I'm always, uh, you know, definitely always fascinated by, I guess, the catalyst for um, what set these ideas or projects in motion. And um, sometimes they're they're hugely simple and it's or, or completely obvious. And then other times, uh, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, that sort of sustained um, build up of um, of the, uh, the the motivations to begin something. But I really like your perspective on on what all four of you of of the core um, founders bring to it and that perspective because that's um that's hugely relevant uh, i remember discussing it and and um yeah it really made me um sort of think uh, i mean let alone the fact that you know you're a mate and you've you've put this uh, amazing thing out there um it really made me you know sort of think and evaluate um you know my relationship with alcohol specifically and um you know if anything it it it, it also starts uh yeah, you're questioning these things in your mind a little bit um, and that could be around simply completely taking this up or, or just questioning um, the amount of intake. Um, one thing a little off topic and I'll, I'll get onto um, a little analogy or, or test how you take um, certain scenarios, but one thing I do love with it, and this sounds like a full spruik, um, which I guess it is a little bit, but I don't, I don't really give a fuck. Um, but the, the, um, the design... Um, I, I really, really loved it. I think I told you that it reminded me, it had this r- real retro feel um, to it. And for me personally, it, it reminded me of um, my grandfather had an actual pool room where he would display um, exotic beer cans. And it re- probably reminded me of a few that he had displayed in there. What have other pe- people voiced to you around both the, the look, um, also the creation of Norm, the mascot, and um, and I guess the tagline as well. How has that resonated with people? Because it's strong. Yeah, it's strong. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look, um, it was a real journey to get to that. To that, and um, it was a really fun process and something that we that involved um, quite a few of us. Uh, you know, Pete Brennan, um, obviously, who creative director by trade, and and who pulled the brand together uh, was you know a lot of that, that that kind of came from my imagination, but but also a lot of um, a lot of that, including Norm, uh, the the mascot, came came from Pat Rogash, one of our favourite illustrators in Victoria, um, and you know just as soon as we saw that, we just knew that we we you know that 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 mask that character had to be part of Heaps Normal. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's very, um, I don't know, feels like something you could easily stencil um, around everywhere and just could sort of sit on its own. Um, Maybe one day we'll have <laughs> in your, your granddad's pool room. Yeah. We'll, know that we've, we'll know that we've made it when, we, when we're in a real pool room. Uh, look, he's dead. So, you know. <laughs> Did what it, the pool room, surely. Just, just, the, the pool room. The pool room lives it on. It does. It does. It still lives on. I um. So I said I wanted to test you with something, but it was more a funny experience um, that I had, which is, you know, it's it's funny upon reflection, but it's it's interesting expressing it um, in the moment. So I was telling some friends about um, 
that about uh, Startmate Demo Day. So, you know, this has just ended up being a big plug for Startmate, which is um, <laughs> good for them. But um, I, was telling, <laughs> I was telling some some people that are working on some emerging um, businesses and definitely um, if only at a very early stage, still it's worth their while to, um, you know, enter into an accelerator program, something akin to Startmate, test their idea with some industry mentors, see whether it's got legs, um, progress from there. And then I told um, a couple of friends and I mentioned uh, like about yourself and you were soon to be pitching. And then uh, I've, I've said, oh, you know, it's um, it's heaps normal. It's a non-alcoholic uh, beer. And um, no offense at all, but like their first uh, reaction was, what's the point? What, what's the point? <laughs> and who would buy that? And, uh, and, and, and um, you know, it tastes shit. Like, um, so how often has... <laughs> these types of sentiments either directly or indirectly being expressed to you when talking about uh, the vision for, for heaps normal and, um, and how do you sort of overcome those um, on a regular basis, which I would, I would guess is sort of dwindling a bit more. Yeah, it's really, it's really changing quickly. And um, you know, that, that I I think, um, you know, that question wasn't really a surprise when, um, you know, the one that you said, uh, you, you're hearing from, from mates because we, we have heard the same thing, but my response is really, you know, well, do you like the taste of beer? Uh, or why, like, why do you drink beer? Is it because you like the taste? Um, or is it to get fucked up? And if you, if you want to get fucked up, there's probably cheaper ways to do it than drinking craft beer. Um, so if you like the taste of beer, then, um, you know, I think, you know, that's who our product's for. It's for people who, who like drinking beer, whether, you know, we're not beer snobs. Um, it's not, it's not all about craft beer, but if you like the taste and, um, you, you know, don't necessarily want the trade-off in, you know, in the moment, then, um, give it a shot. You know, you might surprise yourself. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I uh, no, hope you didn't take any offence. Um, 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 more, it's <laughs> no. more for the for the um, we could wax lyrical about it um, uh, in, in person, but for the purposes of the podcast, sort of had to get to it quickly. Um, Definitely, I, I um, I really appreciate you outlining a lot of it. It's uh, it's really fortunate for me because I get to understand a lot more of it as well. Because whilst I've been um, aware, obviously, that a that a friend's you know building up this you know, amazing brand and sort of like really, you know, almost, well, basically proud to like see it really take legs and, and um, start to gather national press and, and all manner of um, interest from different parties. Um, it strikes me obviously that I, I I find out that or I reflect that I know you, but I don't know actually a lot of your background. <laughs> so yeah. um, why, don't, why don't you tell us, I mean, so we're here at this moment, you're living in Canberra, is that right? That Yeah, that's yeah. right. So you're living in Canberra um, with your family and running a non-alcoholic craft brewery that's um, just taking off. I'd love to like take it back. Um, what did you sort of study at school Um uh, not that it necessarily aligns now, but I'd love to sort of see how disparate that was um, from back then. Yeah, uh, I, I was waiting for this, and and it was um, something something I kind of was reflecting on coming in because the the background for for the podcast is um, 
is really interesting to me because I really feel like I've I've had quite an unconventional career path. Yeah, um, we can do it sequentially. Um, it's up to you, but I, I would I would love no, to yeah. hear it because I'm finding out on the fly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, how to how to best do that? I think. Um, oh, look, uh, I I've always had you know an interest. Actually, no, that it feels like I've always had an interest in 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 creative um, areas, you know, creative pursuits um, and creative production, you know, producing things that um, that that I can put out into the world and, and get feedback on. Um, that's uh, without going through it in chronological order. That start, and I think the other the other common element in in my career, I think, has been. Um, not really waiting for other people to give me the opportunity to do something. I, you could look at it as being really impatient, which is, I think one of definitely something that I struggle with, but, um, even way back in, in 2000 and, uh, 2004, when, um, I was looking to, to break into, you know, the creative field, um, in any in any capacity, it sounds very general, but uh, I was I was really wanting to get more into um, those cultural industries of music and art and and media in some ways. Um, having been surrounded by that at university in the in creative industries at QUT. And what were you studying um, when you were at QUT? I studied media and communication. Yep. Was part of the. Uh, creative industries faculty so i was studying with a whole bunch of actors and and uh and artists and um uh writers fashion designers so they were the people i was hanging out with and it really influenced uh a, a real change in direction in my life when i was ever since i was knee-high to a grasshopper i wanted to be a doctor and and i didn't really study hard enough at school to to be able to fulfill that dream yeah so i um ended up uh studying health hating it uh and changing changing tracks uh almost at the end of my degree um and that was one sort of i think the the catalyst for that was was then you know having some of the mates at the time say to me that they could see me writing a book or something and so that inspired me to then uh, come up with this idea to travel around the world wearing only my pajamas for two months uh, as a bit of a social experiment, uh, yeah. and to write about that to write about that experience, um, which was it really changed me dramatically as a person um, because in a number of ways, but I think in one profound way, um, you know, where it made me realise that no matter what I did there's going to be, you know, roughly 50% of people who think it's a stupid idea, who think I'm super weird and a bit of an idiot, but there's also the potential for the other 50% of people who think it's funny or inspiring or, or, you know, just, you know, or, or who, it cre who it creates an opportunity um, for, you know, the opportunities that it creates me to, to meet other interesting people. So that was that was something that really changed my outlook. So, um, so you've travelled around the world um, in your pajamas, and how long for? Uh, for about two months. Crazy. 
<laughs> so um, um, that, where the legs take you? Uh, sorry, what, what were the legs of the trip, I should say? Uh, uh, LA, New York, Edinburgh, London, Dublin, Sweden, Berlin, Austria, Paris, and Singapore. <laughs> Crazy. So um, what, um, what, what, was, um, what was the groundswell around that? Did you... Um, uh, you, and you were writing about it, obviously. Did it did it attract um, like a bit of heightened recognition during the um, during the journey? Were, were you reporting back on it live, or did you sort of assimilate all these thoughts afterwards and then report back? Um, where did you report back to, etc.? Yeah, it was interesting. I got sponsored by Peter Alexander back in the day when Peter Alexander was um, known for you know his uh, really out there pajama prints um and uh so that that was that's lent some legitimacy to my ridiculous idea um but then actually uh, um it it was a, a little bit after the fact but um it actually was what connected me to the next really kind of big milestone in my career which was working with triple j and um it connected because i ended up ended up being one of those people who called up on the radio to try and win a competition. And <laughs> I, I won, won the, won the claim to claim to claim to fame or whatever. Jay and the doctor were running this thing of like, you know, different stories yeah, yeah. of pe- things that people had done. And <laughs> so I, I won that and I won another trip back to Europe uh, to see the Foo Fighters and, Razorlight and Oasis play and, and met all of those guys backstage um, oh. in my pajamas. So it was kind of like a, it was a reprise on the whole. Um, it was like an encore tour of the pajama trip. Yeah. Um, and um, and then uh, ended up being a, a live music photographer for Triple J for a while before joining them as a, as um, a marketing national marketing coordinator um, for a little while. Very cool. Um... I knew a little bit of that. Like I, I knew that you've been involved in Triple J, but I um I actually uh, didn't know the intricacies, and that's that's wild. <laughs> Where would that journey take you? Like in terms of when you, I guess when it was a little less about the gimmick, um, in terms of the the pajama story or your integration in, and then when you were actually embedded in that sort of marketing coordination capacity. Um, how long was that tenure within Triple J? What what sort of um happened in that time? Yeah, it was really, it was such an amazing uh, time and it was such an amazing introduction to Sydney uh, for me. It um, formed, it was the reason, it was the foundations of a lot of my friendships um, in Sydney. Uh, I hadn't lived in Sydney prior to taking that job. So um, it was amazing. It was just a 20-something year old's dream job, right, just to to be working um on a youth broadcaster going to gigs every night um and um you know one of the my fondest memories was um following the big day out tour around the country and yeah um one of my my best mates that I've known since I was about five we were um at the bar after the Perth big day out and um we just turned around um after getting a beer from the bar and Tom Morello was from Rage Against the Machine was just standing there, um, you know, with a, with a beer in his hand. And I'll, I'll never forget, I, I almost kind of dropped my beer because my mate just said straight off the bat without skipping a beat, he just said, hey, um, hey Tom, I've got, a, I've got a bone to pick with you. And 
Tom, Tom Morello's like just a little bit taken aback. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and he goes, I've played Guitar Hero and your level is impossible. I would be, I'd challenge you to complete your own level on Guitar Hero. Have <laughs> you actually ever done it? And it just could, broke the ice uh, completely. And, um, you know, he was, he was laughing and, and we had a really good chat with him after that. So You appreciate um, it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Aussie, um, Aussie candor or something like that. Who, who else? <laughs> who, who else was involved in in that? Um, big day out. I've been to a fair. Uh, I'd rage. Yeah, it was a while ago. It was when the we were doing the. It was part of the big promotion with Triple J uh, to win the opportunity to dance on stage with Pinal. So I was kind of backstage, trying to trying to slide these uh, sweaty fruit costumes onto. Um, you know, people that had won competitions on the radio, <laughs> um, pushing them on stage to to dance around in these in these um, novelty fruit costumes. Oh, on the main stage, you mean, like not the side stage or anything? No, it was yeah, it was one of the main stages. I can't remember the name of it now, Shit. but um, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Oh, that's wild. Um, well, crazy. So apart from apart from say big day out or, or getting immersed in, in that sort of scene or culture, what where other what other experiences did you start to gather as part of um, as part of that role? Was it sort of a um, you know all in on on the summer and just sort of go all around that sort of festival circuit? Because I know we were pretty festival heavy, um, um, maybe not as much in that time, but like definitely in the years afterwards festivals grew and grew and grew and became more and more frequent but um apart from this year in 2020 obviously it feels like um quite a few have sort of disappeared off the radar um across all all musical genres but yeah what what else would sort of eventuate in your time um there at triple j um uh that's a bit of a bit of a blur but um i definitely took um, you know, that interest in, in music with me, um, when I, I eventually a couple of years after that moved to China for three years. And, um, while I was there, um, while I was there, I, I, I decided, I, I, I noticed that, um, that there was a really interesting music scene, uh, developing over there. It on the surface seemed a lot like Chinese people playing Western music styles, but when you scratch the surface a little bit further, it was it was much more than that, and um, it was a really interesting time to be in China. So I ended up uh, teaming up with a with a couple of mates and started a documentary video project called Daobalga, uh, which loosely translates to takeaway song. Um, inspired a lot from the French um, La Blogger Tech or takeaway shows. And um, we we ended up partnering with those guys and um, we filmed a whole bunch of really different genres and musical styles and artists all around China, uh, not, in, not, in, not just in Shanghai and Beijing, but mm. in some of the smaller cities as well, everything from hip hop to tween folk music and punk and um indie rock well you know all all different kinds and it was such an interesting um project for me uh because it it also um it just it for me it was an opportunity to to learn a lot more about chinese culture yeah uh, through through the lens of uh youth 
music uh, movement. That's really cool. That that's um, yeah, it's not often. It's really difficult, isn't it, when you're traveling because it's it's hard to apart from what you would find out through researching or investigating. But if you're just landing in new cities, it's really hard to get a glimpse into um, you know, the subculture of um what drives it or is influencing um young people, for instance. Uh, I mean, as a a little aside, like obviously we've, we've chatted about. Um, you know, I played in bands, um, you know, back when. And um, one really interesting one was that we brought out this band from Japan um, to do a like a national tour, which was cool as hell. But they exist in their own sort of like punk, punk hardcore microcosm within Tokyo. Yeah. It's just like full, very, very inviting, but um, but ultimately like very underground um, subgenre of Japan in itself. So it's um, fascinating to sort of, get to explore those ecosystems it's really this is so cool um i'm finding this out on the fly so uh <laughs> no idea about that you'd even gone to china to live there long term so this is this is sick <laughs> well, yeah, it, was a, it was an interesting time why was it a define well, well it's three years now that you look back on it but um uh what led you there specifically and what led you to well get out of there i guess yeah, uh, I fell in love before I went. So that was it was my girlfriend at the time um, uh, who was already planning on going there. So uh, I I just followed her over there, basically left everything behind here in Australia uh, and started from scratch over there, um, working for a music promoter initially. Um, and ended up, you know, when I left, I was working as the head of digital for Greenpeace and that was a whole different challenge and, and, um, learning phase for me around, you know, the culture in China, working for an environmental NGO in a country that is, you know, kind of globally notorious for its environmental record. Yeah. But it really, in a lot of ways, it changed my opinion of, of China and, and how they, um, you know who who's really responsible for a lot of that um, impact? Yeah. So you left eventually. What, what uh, where did you land, or, or what did you land into when you um, got back? Did you head straight to straight back to Sydney? Yeah, uh, I it was a probably a story for another podcast, but um, <laughs> I <laughs> came came back in very dramatic fashion. Uh, booked a booked a plane ticket. Uh, while I was sitting at dinner with some friends uh, on a whim and um, just crash landed back in Sydney, um, not, not literally, but um, with nowhere to stay and, and uh, on a friend's couch for, for a few months yeah. um, and uh, landed at Pollen, uh, which is an amazing creative agency um, and, and spent a few years just crafting um, my skills in strategy, um, which was never something I'd had the luxury of, of you know, of doing before, focusing on before, without having to manage um, any, do any people management or, or anything yeah. like that. It was just a pure strategy role, which for me was so fulfilling because with each new client or new business, it was an opportunity just to spend this time in deep thought and learning about a completely new business or a new category that I had previously, you know, never, never had any experience in. And what type of campaigns were you focused on? I, I, they might be quite varied, um, but were, were they uh, within a particular realm or industry? Did you find? Uh, they were really varied across um, health, um, 
hospitality and and food um tech like big tech marketplaces like gumtree and ebay yeah um and yeah but um yeah i think you know uh the digital i've worked in digital for a lot of my career and and that got really tiring just pushing pixels around and also just i, I craved something tangible uh tangible product and the ability to to you know not have not be pitching ideas to people that could then that they wouldn't get it and that would just kill the idea and go and do something else that they wanted to do all along. Um, so I really, really craved getting into something that was a tangible product that had a really kind of tangible connection with culture. Um, you know, that, that, you know, given how much I'd enjoyed, you know, that time at triple J and, mm. and starting the magazine back in Brisbane and, um, and the, the projects in China. And so, you know, that led me over to, to young Henry's, um, as their first head of marketing. And, um, and that's really cool. So how did that sort of, uh, I guess, influence and inform, oh, how you, how you began in that, um, if you were indeed the first, I, I guess, um, because <laughs> obviously, uh, um, that wasn't a claim to fame or anything. No, no, no. I mean, I mean more, it's, it, it is interesting. Um, I've entered into now a couple of, um, I guess what people would call greenfields, uh, roles, um, which has been really interesting because I, it's. What it's do not, you mean by that? Greenfields. Well, greenfields. Greenfields meaning, um, you know, there's the horizon. Just sort of see how it goes. Um, we don't yep. like essentially the uh, the the company that I've been employed by a few times now have essentially said sometimes openly and sometimes not admitted it. They don't really know yet what needs to happen. Um, but just we know we have a a need um soon enough so just get started and we'll sort of define it as we go yeah right sounds like um a quote from craig davis that i heard recently which i really liked um to define to define the difference between um a startup and a small business which um i'm still wrapping my head around but it sounds like there's a connection there with um he described the difference as unlimited upsides um, it sounds like that's kind of like what Greenfields is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There would definitely be um, parallels or, or some, yeah, some some alignment there. A, a funny side note, this is probably just for yours and my benefit, being that we're talking about Craig Davis at the moment. He, uh, for everyone uh, listening, um, like was involved with uh, Sendal, or like was or still is, I I still is, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Still, still, still involved, but yeah, doing other things as well. Yeah, yeah. Really interesting well, he spoke on one of um, the fuck-up nights that we ran in Sydney at um, Overseas Passenger Terminal for the Good Design Festival in oh, 2018 or so. Um, and you and I have been working together a little bit because, you know, um, yourself and Young Henry's were sort of always helping us out and keeping the, the events um, going, which is really cool. But he was one of the speakers and he told the wildest story about his involvement with um, TV shows and and that and um, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but he had passed on Mad Men at one stage when thinking about acquiring <laughs> um, TV pilots. So that's a story for another time. <laughs> Ask him about sure. it when you um yeah when you speak to him. Anyway, I, I got completely off track there. <laughs> that's all right. But any opportunity to throw Greg Craig Davis into the mix? Yeah, right? that's it. That's it. Look, um, we're getting towards the end of the time, so let's um let's just uh go back to that. How did you find 
launching into a, a Greenfields type of role, um, which is essentially to uh, figure it out, so manner of speaking, but you were definitely, I guess, in a, um, you know, a, a purpose-driven pursuit um, surrounded by, you know, your people, I guess. How did you find that, um, that entry into Young Henry's in your time there? Yeah, it was incredible. Um, I think to to be in in the room, you know, with the with the founders and with you know as part of the leadership team and making decisions around a really fast moving, exciting business um, in a really fast moving, growing category was another dream job for me. Um, so, like, I, I learned so much in that time. Um, and, you know, I think uh, it was about three years that I was there. So it was it was a really, really enjoyable time. Um, and um, the way I look at it is, you know, is uh, something that I've, I've reflected on a lot. And um, I think it's just one of those um, things that fits into the, into the bucket of all good things coming to an end. Um, and I, I, I kind of, I think it's probably on reflection important for good things to have an end point. For sure. Um, I'll probably reference one last thing, but then um, I, I'd love to know where you uh, sort of take it. Uh, throughout my time getting to know you over the last few years, you've also um, been involved by either uh, speaking at events related to it or um, involved in some other pursuits, but uh, less about um, purely about the food and beverage industry or, or the um the brewing industry, but uh, more about around purposeful business or, or purpose-driven pursuits. Um, you know, one of our mutual friends, Sally Hill, was also on the podcast and 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 told her wonderful story about her life and um, what sort of you know influenced her over time and what she finds value in. Um, how have you sort of found that um, having that sort of additional element? Because I'm, you know, obviously. I'm, I'm making presumptions, but not too far off the mark that it's certainly influenced what you're doing with Heaps Normal. Um, but have you had time to reflect on that a lot or um, or is it just sort of something that you carry with you now um, in terms of the work that you do? Yeah, it's really important to me and it's been the reason why I've um, killed off a lot of my business ideas and, um, you know, projects over the years because I've never wanted to just create another thing for the, for the world, um, you know, without there being a reason for it to exist. Um, and it's very much the same with Heaps Normal. For example, I was, um, determined to launch a pajama label off the back of the the pajama trip but <laughs> I never never ended up doing that because um because yeah like everyone listening probably knows it's just one of those industries that is um is fairly um you know has a, has a pretty terrible impact and if I couldn't do it in a way that was completely you know changing the game and making making uh you know creating a reason or a different way of doing things, like a lot of people, you know, I should call out, like a lot of people since that time have managed to do in the fashion industry, like Cell Jack and, um, um, well, lot, lots of others. Um, but yeah, same. The, it's the same with Heaps Normal, um, and I think that's why this this thing is really uh, has been one that we've 
we've um that we've really got behind as a team and that has that inspires us every day to get out of bed because you know we while we're not trying to be trying to claim to be perfect we are determined that we don't just want to be another beer company that we do want to be ruthlessly transparent and you know even even call out challenges for us as a business like the fact that we have four white male co-founders you know we we don't stand we're not shying away from that um and it and in fact you know we want to call it out as something that we're addressing head on and um uh yeah that i mean i think it's just the cost of doing business these days though you you, like it's not something you know having an impact or a purpose um is and i think tim duggan rightly calls this out in his amazing book from uh uh, formerly of junkie yeah formerly of junkie but um but now sort of looking to you know do do his next kind of um big thing um but you know has spent the last few years writing this book called cult status Mm. uh, which is incredible and and mentions a lot of the brands that i think you've probably talked about in the podcast before um i've got him on the list yeah (laughs) it's a it's such a great read and he talks about the fact that that um any of these brands that want to that want to reach that kind of um have that kind of impact on culture they all start from the point of not necessarily um having selling a lot of shit or like making a lot of money as their goal they're starting from the point of knowing what their impact is going to be and and what, what it is from day one yeah that's really cool maybe i'll um i'll see your tim duggan and and uh raise you i've also got a a book in hand called um for those unfamiliar with it it's called this is not a t-shirt by bobby hundreds if for anyone familiar with um the brand the hundreds it's really cool uh amazing yeah, very much an emphasis on shaping youth culture um pertinent to la but but furthermore and it's a really cool read so um but i'll check out cold status for sure I'm, I'm interested to hear about it it's been bloody blowing up my linkedin so i better um <laughs> i better i better bite the bullet into <laughs> diving into it soon enough yep <laughs> look we're gonna we're gonna end it um there or, or now abouts um did you have any final words to add um and if um if if you feel you got it out uh, i'd love to love for you to say where to for people to direct their attention towards for heaps normal as well and what you've got on you know coming up in the very short term yeah sure um i just want to share something that really blew my mind recently um uh it's a quote i'm not big on quotes but this one stuck with me um from it was from james james tynan actually but um via nick crocker um so it's just this and and it references just all these things that have that are worlds colliding and and kind of interests of mine colliding i think all all relate to what i've taken out of this quote and um it was you know that the body is a ruthless debt collector and for me, it was a reminder of, you know, when you're starting a business and you're working, you know, like crazy hours and or you're, you know, you're out, um, you know, pushing your limits, drinking or or kind of um, or, you know, smashing coffees to to kind of push through through the day or, or um, 
or, you know, you're eating terribly or you're just not looking after yourself or whatever. Um, it's just, it just kind of speaks to me in so many different ways. And it's something, it's one of those things that I feel like I should have written up on the wall in front of me every day, just to remind me because, um, yeah, so, so it, it kind of sticks with me and it's something that I think I could learn from every day of my life. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'd love people to check out what we're doing, um, with Heaps Normal. Uh, we'd, we'd love to, you know, hear people's own stories around, you know, what, um, you know, what their normal is and, and, um, and how they're incorporating, um, you know, our product into their lives really. Um, so yeah, hit us up. We're on all the usual channels and, um, you can, um, get it direct at heapsnormal.com. Awesome. Oh, actually, maybe a, a pertinent thing since it's a physical product. Um, where are you? Where are you currently stocked? That's probably a, a good question. Yeah, it's uh, we have about 160 venues around the country at the moment that are stocking it. Um, a lot of those. Uh, so, oh, it's really hard to play favorites. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's okay. It's yeah. Okay. Look. Um, yeah, like I mean, uh, for, for you're you're in Victoria, so there's a lot of um, Victorians down there. There's, you know, some of the some of our favourite bars over in your hood, actually. Um, That's great. Um, Miss, yeah, Mr. West um, has it. It's just yeah, around the corner. Yeah. Around the corner. So <laughs> More you know. know, there's a reason. There's a reason to call one out because it's in your hood, <laughs> and um, the guys um, um, at Otter's Promise have been incredibly supportive, and you know, and Black Hearts and Sparrows. Yeah. Who are, I think that the ESOP of the, the liquor industry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that brings a full circle because I remember that last time we caught up. Um, I think you'd just been to see them that day or, or had yeah. just closed it or something. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, um, yeah, cool, cool to see that loop close. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, well, um, thanks so much for having me. It's been so good to have a chat to you. It's, um, yeah, and, and, uh, the next time we chat, I think um, we should flip the flip the tables, and I can learn something new about you. <laughs> yeah, all right, why not? Um, but just try to stop <laughs> me talking, you know. Um, Andy, hey, thanks, thanks a bunch. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you taking the time out. I know it's some um, busy times for you, but um, yeah, it's probably been a long, long in the works um, chat, and I really appreciate. It. I'm stoked to see you heaps of normal doing really well, and. Um, yeah, really, really excited to see what this next phase is because I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited, man. I'm, I'm excited to, that you invited me to, to chat and, um, uh, and super grateful for, for all your support. Thanks, Gaz. Oh, man, my pleasure. We'll catch up really soon. Take care. Cheers, mate. So that was my chat with Andy Miller. Um, such a pleasure. And like I mentioned at the start of the podcast, uh, the opportunity to hear more about people's backstories, especially people that I've known for quite some time, um, always gives me a bit of a kick. And it's it's really cool because it's, um, it's just a shame that we haven't sort of um, dived into a lot of that in person, yet it takes a podcast to sort of um, unearth a lot of these factors. But um, nevertheless, very, very cool um, aspect of uh, doing this fun little project. So you can find Heaps Normal on Instagram, Twitter, and the like at, at Heaps Normal. Um, nothing too complicated there. And uh, do check them out. That A few stockers were listed, but you can find the list of their stockers on their website. Black Hearts and Sparrows was uh, just one mentioned um, if you were uh, or if you have one located nearby. Um, so I want to thank you. My name's Gary Williams or Gaz as people call me and music on the podcast is by my old band Bateman, which is, um, pretty cool. We sound nothing like the chiptune track that plays, but, um, 
nevertheless, uh, my bandmate did create it. <laughs> you can find more of Alt's projects on at Alt's projects across social media channels, and we have many more episodes uh, coming um, very shortly. Until then, cheers. Cheers.